0: turn to share there's tons of people who want to share but other than that go wild
1: hello family i firstly would like to thank each one of you for giving me this wonderful opportunity to testify of the lord's steadfast love grace and faithfulness this past year has been the best year of my life so far i sometimes wonder how could it even be possible that i'm so full of joy and peace Mere words cannot describe my thankfulness. I've truly learned by God's love and grace what it means to be a daughter of the King. I've learned that every millimeter of pain is to make me more like Christ and not to punish me. Like in Romans 8 verse 28, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good, for those who are called according to His purpose. Truly, I could start to rejoice in my suffering. I've all, I was also baptized on the 9th of February, fri- the Friday, early evening. I remember while some of my friends prayed for me, rays of sunlight fell on me. It was like a warm hug from the Lord. I couldn't stop smiling. I tried to, but I couldn't. I also remember, well, let me check my cards, please. <laughs> Can I stand here, please? <laughs> okay. I tried to stop, but it didn't work. I've been so satisfied in the Lord. Oh, how wonderful it is to be a child of the creator of the universe who has adopted us to make us his own and to have a relationship with us. It was so amazing to get to know the Lord this year. I stand in awe of how he has kept me and also how he has drawn me closer to him. I've messed the card, so sorry. Um, <laughs> it's English, so please bear. <laughs> um, I've also learned that when the devil comes, I want to steal my joy in Christ. I can throw God's promises back at him because our good Father is faithful. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I've also grown spiritually so much after moving to New Gen. I cannot thank the Lord enough. I've really been encouraged by all of you to live for the Lord's glory in all areas of my life. To know God and make Him known. I also want to thank you for your love and kindness I've experienced since the first Sunday I came. It was in May somewhere. I can't like, oh also, my heart wants to Pop. Of my thankfulness to the Lord <laughs> that I could partner with Nutrient Stalinbosh. <laughs> At the end of August, the Lord told me while I was spending time with him to go into full-time ministry next year. I remember wrestling with that because I have to either work back my education pursuit for three years or pay it back. The Lord told me to trust him wholeheartedly. He will provide. I just got this massive assurance and peace. I've never been so sure of something. The Lord has really like miraculously opening doors, and also money starting to come in. If you want to know more, please ask me afterwards. In brackets. <laughs> so long story. I'm so massively thankful to be used by God as an instrument of encouragement to love others with God's love and to spur them on to live for our King, to not build their, trying to build their own kingdoms, but to be active in His kingdom. And then also, God also opened my eyes all the more of how many people Don't know him and are yearning for him. This world is full of people with so much sadness and people who are so empty. Let's hold hands as daughters and sons of the kings and ask him for wisdom in how we can in love and gentleness share the good news of Jesus Christ our Lord. Do not keep it for ourselves. Do not be selfish. Let's love and serve joyfully. Thank you.
0: Well done, Carrie. Right, who would like to share next? Come on, you can just come straight up and we save time.
2: Morning, everyone. Um, so I haven't got cards, so please be forgiving if I don't stick to schedule. Um, but so my testimony this morning is about obedience. Um, and this morning I actually wasn't going to be here. I've got a test tomorrow that I'm quite scared for, um, so that's, again, like, God was just calling me to be obedient and share this, and I'm really hoping it just encourages you guys to be obedient as well. Um, and so, basically, this year, I think it was this semester, John O shared a little while ago about uh, when we pray for healing, we should be earnest and, like, really pray, God, heal amazingly, like... Come and heal. Don't hide behind the blanket of, Father, if it's your will, come and heal. Uh, because then, you know, like, if he doesn't show up, you can be like, mm, it wasn't his will. Um, and so, like, uh, pray earnestly and honestly and, and really pray for healing when you feel that you want healing and something. Um, and I was sitting there, and I had a really, really sore throat. And I remember praying and saying, God, heal. And he healed me. And I remember I came and shared that. I don't know if uh, some of you guys can remember that as well. Um, so that was amazing, and, and just from there, God's been developing more of praying earnestly for healing. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, um, I'm not going to share the story because it's her story, uh, but it's, I'm sharing it more in the light of obedience. Um, somebody in church here, uh, I was sitting behind them in, on the left-hand side there, and I saw like she was not sitting very comfortably. She looked very like her back was in pain. Um, and I remember feeling like, oh, shame, I hope God does something uh, to heal her. And then God was like, ah, you're going to heal her. Um, well, not you're going to heal her. You're going to pray for healing for her. Um, and I was like, ah, I really don't want to pray. Like, I just want to chill in my seat. I don't really want to chat to her afterwards. Um, and God was like, no, you're going to pray for healing for her. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. And I kind of tested him. And I was like, God, give me a sign if you want me to pray for healing for her. Um, and he then said, go to Luke 3 verse 12. Uh, I think that that's the verse. You guys can double check. Um, but it was on the um, man who had leprosy and he uh, saw Jesus walking past and was like, um, Jesus, please, if it is in your will, heal me. Um, and Jesus said, I'm willing. And he reached out and he touched him and he was healed. And so I was like, "Yo, are okay. God wants me to pray for healing uh, for this lady. And so afterwards I went up to her and I said, I feel like God wants me to pray for healing for you. And so then she said, yeah, my back's uh, in a lot of pain, and she told me all the like story about it. And then Luke was with me, and, and he's actually the one who encouraged me to come this morning. Um, and we prayed together, and it wasn't immediate, it wasn't like she got up and started doing flick-flacks and whatever, and was healed immediately. Um, but uh, I then just carried on praying throughout the week and said, Father, like if this is your will, <laughs> if this is your will, um, I said, Father, just like, please heal her, please heal her, Um, and carried on praying for it, and then the next week at church, she wasn't at church, so I was like, oh, okay, I hope everything's all good, the following week, she came up to find Luke and I, and said, thank you so much for being obedient and praying, because throughout the first week, she was healed, um, and her back was completely back to normal, and she said that she could enjoy time with her family, and enjoyed, like, being active, and just uh, enjoying, like, a fully functioning body again, um, and so it's just amazing, like, what God does when you're obedient. Um, like, He requires us to listen to Him when He calls us. And there's no need to fear. Like, we've got the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We've got God on our side. Like, what do we have to fear? Embarrassment is nothing. Uh, fear of man is nothing. Just anything is, that is not of God is just trying to pull us down. And when we're obedient— God really works. And I just want to encourage all of you guys in anything, whenever God puts something little or big on your heart, be obedient because that's when he works and that's when he he really shows up. So yeah, thanks guys.
0: (laughs) Cody, I thought you were making a run for the front. Badly timed little exit there. We've got so many stories of God healing this year in, um, in our congregation. It's been so encouraging, just little moments, not huge, big dramatics and smoke and bubbles and lights and trying to make it happen, just trusting him, saying, Father, we ask you to heal. Um, I have a personal story of that as well, which I shared here, and it's the first time that's happened for me, physical healing, and it was a really exciting, really amazing. Um, who else? Who else? While we're waiting for someone, um, one of my kids as well, come on Craig, one of, my, um, one of my kids had these warts on them, which we just went to doctors and the dermatologist and all sorts of things, and we tried and tried and tried a whole bunch of stuff, babes, for how long? Like two years, and um, one night my kids, Esther says three, my wife says two, um, one night um, when we were just right at, the, like nothing was happening, and the kids just said, dad, why don't we pray? And I thought, oh, goodness me, in one of our devotions. And so we just laid hands on and just prayed for this thing. And within two weeks, every single wart had shriveled up and died and fallen off. It was just unbelievable.
3: So on the topic of healing, I'm not too sure how many of you are aware of the story. But um, it's now exactly two months ago I was involved in quite a serious, a very serious motor car accident. Lo and behold, I didn't actually know that it was as serious as it actually was. Um, uh, I was uh, tail-swiped crossing over Adam Tuss, and my car swung around. I got out of the car thinking I was 100% okay. Um, I was on my way to, to go and run. I had my dog in the car. I was more worried about my dog than anything else. So Sunday I was at church, looking a little bit bruised, but felt okay. Okay. I was due to run a half-marathon trail race the following Sunday. Monday, I woke up, and my shoulder was, like, sore. So I thought, oh, well, let me go to the physio, get this sorted out. Went to the physiotherapist. Fortunately, a very good physio. Worked on the shoulder. That's all they did. Said, okay, fine. You had some exercises. Tuesday morning, I woke up, and I was black and blue. All of a sudden, my entire face was black and blue. Um, so, and... Woke up four o'clock in the morning, and my right and my arm was like incredible painful. And I thought I like, probably just been the pain being released from the shoulder. So I thought, but let me first let me go to the doctor. So I went to the I got hold of the doctor, said, listen, been in a motor car accident, got a bit of whiplash. Um, can you see me? Yeah, yeah, no, come in. Went to go and see Turby at Selkirk. At, um, he looks at me, and he says, Craig, he says this is a lot worse. Than it looks and it doesn't look very good at all in any case you're going straight for, for x-rays and I said okay he said and he gave me a hell for not having gone to the hospital straight after the accident and I said but I was fine I had a bribe with Lisa that Saturday evening I was church on Sunday I was going to him because I had a marathon I was at a half marathon I was running I wanted him just to solve this pain in the arm so off to MediClinic, uh, x-rays, they phoned me later. So I decided to work from home that day because I was black and blue. Um, and uh, they phoned me later and said, listen, uh, Toby phoned me. He said, we're not particularly happy with what we're seeing on the x-rays. You need to go back for a CAT scan. Went in for the CAT scan, went back home, additional conference calls and whatnot of that. And um, the, the radiologist phoned me and said, listen, you're in for a CAT scan. Weren't you meant to have an MRI? So I said, No. Um, okay, we're just finding the surgeon. Just check. I'm on a call, and I can see them trying to get hold of me. Find them back. They said, "Listen, we've just got a lot of surgeons." She says, "You need to rush. You need to be in the emergency ward immediately. Get there. She's driving through. She's coming out of theatre now. She's just come out of theatre from Farheleh, and she'll meet you at the emergency ward. Okay." My car's written off, so I was driving my daughter's car, Kez's car, so go to emergency, arrive, there's my, my old GP who's been my GP for years, he's semi-retired now. Peter, what are you doing here? He says, Craig, you see that bed, you lie on that bed, you do not move. He says, you're in emergency, it's the only bed we've got. He says, if there's an accident and there's blood, gore, and guts, we're closing the curtain, but you're not moving. So I said, what's, what's the story? He says, Peter, he says, you don't know the diagnosis. I said, no. He says, you've got two fractured vertebrae in your neck. Um, <laughs> this is the accident had happened on the Saturday this is the Tuesday um, so okay, alright, now suddenly you're like, okay, everybody's reacting, the surgeon arrives, she says, um, yeah, Craig you don't realize this, but you literally a hair's breadth from being paralyzed from the neck down and that's, uh, okay, don't worry um, I, we, we, I've, I've rescheduled everything, you're going in for operation tomorrow the, um I've got a surgeon that operates with me. He's flying down from Joburg. He's coming in the morning. He'll be, uh, he'll be operated on. Tuesday morning, I went in for the operation. Um, and, yeah, great success. I uh, had to do a bone graft out of the hip to replace the fractured vertebra. The fractured vertebra, what they call, they contribute with the terminology, any case, plate in the neck, two-fused vertebrae. Um, and, uh, yeah, um, so then I'm out of the that's the that's the tuesday the wednesday the operation friday i was out of the hospital already um and all i said to the doctor is like you know she says it's been a success so six weeks for those of you who saw me in a neck brace and um lo and behold neck brace comes off and she says everything absolutely perfect you completely fine you'll be takes the bone graft will take time First thing i ask her is, can I start running again? <laughs> she says, yes, you can, but do it gently. So, yeah. But just, you know, how amazing and how, you know, you know we, we know the scriptures, you know, and there's, there's heaps and loads and loads of them. And I was, like, going through thinking, like, which scriptures do I, t- I tell you guys? But, I mean, all I want to tell you is that all those scriptures that tell you that God's got his hands over you and that God protects you and that, you know, and God heals and that God is sovereign and God loves you as his child, and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. They are all true. Because something that that realized, the, the realization for me with this was that I obviously have not done what God has called me to do, um, because he's spared my life and he's given me the ability to continue doing um, and fulfill his purpose and call. So... Just know that you know when you when when if you ever in doubt with regards to God's hand and the and the protection of God over your life, know that He does protect you and that He loves you and that He has a plan and a purpose and He is sovereign and He heals.
4: Um,
0: Come on Mr Reed,
5: come and tell us your story. It gets too tedious just um, chasing me back. Um, my name is Gordon Reed, um, for those who don't know me. Um, I'm married to Helena. Um, she's that um, beautiful, short, feisty feminist <laughs> sitting, in, uh, sitting far crutch to the front than she'd like. Um, we have two beautiful daughters, um, Emma and Helena, and we love them. Passionately and unashamedly, much to their embarrassment, on occasion. Um, Emma's uh, Helena's sitting next to her mom, and Emma's just finishing off a gap year um, in Australia. So I know that um, each one of you sitting here today is climbing a mountain, and for some of you, the gradient's steep and the summit's high, and some for you, some of you less so. And I know some of you are going through really tough times at the moment for various reasons. And Um, My heart particularly with the Farrells and what you're going through, my thoughts and prayers with you um, in this really tough time. I would like uh, on behalf of my family just to share a story with you that I hope you will find encouraging and that part of the story may resonate with you in some way in terms of your own journey. It's my prayer that as I share with you, it would not just be a mere story of things that happened to a family. But that the God parts of the story would actually sit in your heart long afterwards and would take root and grow and help you to grow in your faith. I'm going to break the story into four parts. First of all, I'm just going to tell you briefly what happened. I'm going to then tell you what the impact was on our family. And then what God did and what God is doing. And then what we've learned as a family from this experience. So a bit more than two and a half years ago, something happened. That only happens to other people. And Selena's mom was brutally tortured and murdered in her home in Wellington, in the house where Helena was born and where my daughter spent time with her grandmother almost every second week of their lives. No person should have to die in this manner, especially a gentle, gifted, loving, generous mother, wife, grandmother who loved and followed Christ with all her heart for most of her life. This may sound strange, But it would have been more palatable if the murderer had been a random stranger during a burglary or robbery gone wrong. The murderer was, for all intents and purposes, a member of the family. Someone my mother-in-law had taken into her home as a very young boy. He appears in family photos with all her other grandchildren and was a playmate of one of her grandsons. She virtually raised this boy as a second mother and supported him throughout his school life and beyond. In fact, she was in the process of enrolling him in a course at the police college at the time that he killed her. As Elena so eloquently put during her testimony in court, during the trial, she said that as her mother was planning his future, having just matriculated, he was planning her murder. Evidence presented in court shows that he planned the torture, robbery, and murder in meticulous detail before carrying it out. So what was the impact on us as a family? It was devastating, to say the least. Helena's mom was an integral part of the fabric of our family life, so it literally ripped that fabric apart. But over time, with lots of grace from God, there is a mending of sorts. But the tear remains and will never be what it was. That was the hardest, the irreversibility of it. Every cell in your body is screaming for this thing to be reversed. What the psychologist probably referred to is the denial phase in the grief process. At the end of the day, it was probably the worst thing that could have happened to the four of us other than a similar thing happening to one of the four of us. There was tons of grief, anger, bewilderment, guilt, blame, and much more at many levels within our extended family, which is normal under the circumstances but can become very damaging very quickly if it gets out of control. Besides the grief, there was a great deal of perplexity as we asked hundreds of unanswerable questions How could something like this happen? How did we miss it? Is the young boy a psychopath? Were there signs that we should have picked up? She followed Jesus faithfully virtually every day of her life. She took this boy in, believing that God had led her to do so. So why her? Where were you, God? Why did you allow this? How could you allow this? What God did and what God is still doing, and it's really just three things. God carried us, and he continues to do so. From the moment this happened, there was not an instant when Elena and I once doubted that God is good. This is crazy in any logical sense. I'm not sure that you can describe us as a family as normal. Certainly not conventional, but I don't think crazy no self-help book, no philosopher, and no degree of knowledge or cleverness can get you out of bed the very morning after this happened and every morning since then, praising God and knowing in your deepest being that notwithstanding what happened, God is good, unless there's a supernatural intervention of sorts. He gave us supernatural strength not only to bear the grief and the loss of such a precious life, but he also gave us the strength in so many... to, to in so many ways to carry the rest of the extended family who did not have the strength to deal with this. From supporting my father-in-law to assisting the police investigation to attending the trial and testifying in court when no other member of the extended family would or could do what was required, God made it possible for us to stand in the gap. The second thing um, that, that God um, is, is, is incredibly faithful and mercy, merciful and he's in control From the moment it happened, God's presence was tangible and evident in a thousand different ways. Many, many things fell into place, far too many for coincidence. The court case, which started just over a year ago and finished finally in March this year, was very difficult for us because it was like ripping a scab off a wound that was trying to heal. In a country where most government departments are supposedly falling apart, we get this incredibly competent team of detectives and prosecutors if that isn't enough, the top forensic pathologist in the Cape, whose testimony was key and decisive, not to mention all the other professionals who were involved, as imperfect as human justice is and as broken as our justice system may be, God somehow, miraculously, without any human planning or intervention, gave us the best there was. Emma, our eldest daughter, um, was, wrote, was writing a trick um, during the trial. And it was very challenging to try and manage that whole process and all the emotion that goes with it and to try and shield her as much as possible. But uh, for the grace of God, we would not have made it. The other thing that stood out for us at this time were friends that God randomly sent to court from time to time without us asking them to come, simply to sit with us and support us during some of the court sessions. This was significant because no one in the entire extended family, except for one or two exceptions, attended or were prepared to testify in court. The third thing that really came through for us is that God is healing and he's redeeming. God's healing has been at work in us as a family and as individuals, but it has not been an instant event. It's been a healing journey. As we have wrestled with questions to which there are no answers, at least the side of heaven, we have sensed his gentle touch and affirmation that has become more important than the answers we seek. Because this event had so many complex layers to it, due to the extended family having several touch points with the murderer, it had all the ingredients of serious family conflict born of guilt and blame that had the potential to end in a complete breakdown of family relations. But God, because of God's grace, we were able on several occasions to expressly say to one another that you are in no way to blame. You are absolved, released, set free from any self imposed guilt. It has been a painful and difficult but very liberating and redeeming process. A day after the event, I got onto my mountain bike and went for a cycle in, on my own in beautiful Yonkers Hook to try and clear my head and to make sense of what had happened. During the ride, I sensed God saying to me very clearly that he would redeem this tragedy. I remember this one thing that stuck in my mind since that day, and although at the time I had serious doubts about whether that could be possible. Looking back, I can now see why I felt that redemption was impossible. I had made the mistake of equating redemption with reversal. Many of you who have lost people close to you will understand what I'm saying. When something like this happens, we want more than anything else for the thing to be reversed. Redemption is not reversal, and this is the kicker it is something far greater. God was not going to reverse it or remove it. Or spare us the consequences. We were to go through it, not around it, under it, or over it, but through it. And through it, to come out the other side changed, closer to him, more solidly planted on the rock than we were ever before. He has been true to his word in this regard. Again, in a thousand different ways. And lastly, just um, five things that we've learned as a family through through this whole process. The first thing is that bad things happen to people who follow Christ. Many of us become Christians because we think God will sort our lives out, and He does. But we also think that He's going to smooth the road for us and make life more comfortable and that He will protect us from tough times. Scripture, however, does not teach this, and in fact, there is overwhelming evidence to the contrary. However, what He does promise is that when we do face headwinds and trials, He will be there, and He will carry us through. That has certainly been the case for my family. The second thing that we've learned is that we can't live in a healthy, meaningful manner without the grace of God permeating every aspect of our lives. He gives us what no self-help book or philosopher or guru or whatever other source you care to name can come close to giving us. Thirdly, God has a plan, and it's not just any plan. It's a good plan. We just don't always see the whole picture, but he does. Fourthly, God gives us what we need and not necessarily what we want. I know that's a cliche, but that is very true. Um, And just lastly, as he redeems our lives, he also calls us to be part of his redemptive plan, which includes the redemption of tragedy that may come our way. A last illustration of what I mean by this in practical terms um, is the following. So our first response when this happened was to batten down the hatches, close the lager, and close our hearts. But we felt an overwhelming urge from God to do the opposite. We therefore made a conscious decision, again with healthy doses of God's grace, to henceforth love, live like my mother-in-law did when she was alive, with open hearts and open arms. And to this end, we felt called to establish a foundation in her name, which we have been working hard this year to get off the ground, the foundation will carry on the work that she was doing, and in this way, we say to the enemy, you have lost this battle. You already lost the war at the cross, and your time is almost up. The foundation is registered, and is now at SARS for PBO status, with the official launch plan for 11 May next year, which is the third anniversary of her death. So thank you for listening to that, um, and thank you to, um, to, to New Gen for really supporting us. Um, during this time. And uh, yeah, I we, we were a bit uh, churchless and drifting before, before joining uh, New Gen about uh, three and a half years ago. Um, and uh, I don't know what we would have done without, without having the anchor that, uh, that you guys provide. So we have incredible amounts to be thankful for. I don't know if there's time, Helena. If, um, she just wants to share um, Psalm 18 um, briefly.
4: I'm a very reluctant public speaker, so I've been looking at that door there at the back (laughs) to run away, but I just have the sense that if I don't say it, then the rocks will shout it out because it's very profound what has happened in my life. Um, And also in our family, Gordon likes to sit in the front seat and I like to sit in the back seat. So, but anyway, I feel yeah, it might be of great encouragement to some of you because I think murder is a huge issue in our country and violent deaths. Um, my daughter Emma said that um, she's in Sydney and she says, uh, I won't make the session without crying, but I'll prove her wrong. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just, as Gordon mentioned at the beginning of this year, um, I was in high court and the only family member apart from my father having to testify. Um, That was also because of Gordon. (laughs) I wasn't planning to, but he pushed me to. And then afterwards, having to face the TV cameras, and I hate a camera, so it's a miracle from God that I (laughs) stood there and I did the whole long media statement, a very unlikely and very reluctant person. Um, But I think... What I've learned um, through this um, suffering, because it is suffering, is what Eugene Peterson, one of my heroes, says about prayer, is that um, we are very comfortable in the cramped world of our own making, but then through suffering, God leads us into his spacious kingdom so it's painful, but um, it is so different to what we would have planned for ourselves. Um, during my mother's uh, the murder and the trial afterwards, Psalm 18 really came to life for me, and I would just like to read it as a psalm of Thanksgiving, um, only sections out of it. "I love you, God. you make me strong." God is bedrock under my feet The castle in which I live My rescuing knight My God, the high crag where I run for dear life Hiding behind the boulders Safe in the granite hideout I sing to God the praise lofty And find myself safe and saved The hangman's noose was tight at my throat Devil waters rushed over me Hulls, ropes, singed me tight. Death traps barred every exit. A hostile world. I call to God. I cry to God to help me. From his palace he hears my call. My cry brings him right into his presence. A private audience. Mm, my mouth is dry. Is there water in here. But... Me he caught. He reached all the way from sky to sea. He pulled me out of that enemy chaos, the void in which I was drowning. They hit me when I was down, but God stuck by me. He stood me up on a wide open field. I stood there saved, surprised to be loved. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I got my act together, he gave me a fresh start. Now I'm alert to God's ways. I don't take God for granted. Every day I review the way he works. I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together and I'm watching my step. God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. Suddenly, God, you floodlight my life. I'm blazing with glory, God's glory. I smash the bands of marauders, I vault, the highest fences. What a God. His road stretches straight and smooth. Every God direction is road tested. Everyone who runs towards him makes it. Is there any God like God? Are we not at bedrock? Is not... This the God who armed me, then aimed me in the right direction. Now I run like a deer. I'm king of the mountain. He shows me how to fight. I can bend a bronze bow. You protect me with salvation armor. You hold me up with a firm hand. Caress me with your gentle ways. You cleared the ground under me so my footing was firm. And just to end off with... Live God, blessings from my rock My free and freeing God, towering This God sets things right for me And shut up the people who talk back He rescued me from enemy anger He pulled me from the grip of upstarts He saved me from the bullies That's why I'm thanking you God today And all over the world That's why I'm singing songs that rhyme your name God's king takes the trophy. God's chosen one is beloved. I mean David and all his children always. Amen. Lord, I um, pray for this congregation and I don't know if there are people here who have experienced um, brutal violence and who find themselves in a corner. And Lord, I just pray as you've just saved our family where you've empowered us that your Holy Spirit would be poured out on these people where people live in the grip of fear lord that you would set them free that you would just clothe them with that sense of being triumphant in you christ we receive your spirit lord and we thank you for it amen
0: how powerful is that sobering eh for those of us who've walked a journey with you and with some others in this congregation as well it's been incredible watching the maturity of your lives watching how you've faced the pains and I want to just publicly commend you I want to thank you because we need men and women and kids we need families who show us that when we go through these deepest darkest times that God can sustain us and I know because I've been there and with you in some of the moments I know that there's been moments where it hasn't been high or Uh, felt like victory, many of the moments have felt like defeat, have felt like weakness, and I want to thank you for keeping going. Like you said, Gordon, so beautifully through, not over, up, around, but God promises he'll be with us as we go through it. So why don't we just applaud them as a couple and a family. And then ultimately, isn't the Isn't the take-home how glorious our God is? Isn't the take-home how incredible our King is to sustain us through those stories and others that we could share. We're going to, for the sake of time, we're going to finish it there for this morning and I was just chatting with Ollie, what we're going to do is that we're actually going to open up next week as well. I think there's a whole lot more of you who have stories. I know some of you have emailed me and SMSed me and said you want to share some stories. So we'll, I'll do a very, very short preach next week and then we'll do some more testimonies as well. Um, so please come prepped to do that. It's wonderful to hear what God's doing. It's amazing to hear of His goodness. So let's pray together. I'll God we thank you that you are a sustaining God that when we have nowhere to turn we can turn to you and we have illness in our own bodies we can look to you and look to a, a future kingdom and a future time as well as the fact that you reach into our current existence and heal and do miraculous things God. I want to thank you God that you can sustain us through the most trying things that we could imagine, Lord, the details of which we could only know if we had lived through those moments ourselves. And yet you are gracious and good to sustain us. Lord, for everyone facing those things here this morning, come in your grace. Come with your comfort. Come with your hope. Come with your joy. Come and wash over us, Lord. Lord, you who bind up the brokenhearted. You who give us joy and a beauty instead of ashes. Lord, you pour oil over us. You do all these incredible things, Lord, all these metaphors which which speak of your goodness and our brokenness, Lord. Father, we surrender our trust to you again this morning. We trust in you. We leave sobered, Lord. We leave reminded, We think of that prophecy out of Daniel, Lord, that that little rock, Jesus, the stumbling stone of the nations, cut not by human hands but cut by God Himself, is this kingdom which is growing and growing and growing. We place our trust and our hope in You, Lord Jesus. Your wonderful name. Amen and amen.